I was uh, recruited to another company and a smaller broker dealer. And that broker dealer, you know, Wessel was the first technology that was in the 90s before E-Trade came out, the online trading. So, um, so that company was really focusing on how to make online trading happen because back then you will have to call the broker and the broker will have to write the ticket and, 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 and trade it for you. This is Seeking Startups, a show that gives you an inside look into the minds of ambitious people who are trying to change the world. Learn about what they're building, their personal stories, and invest in the founders you believe in. Now with equity crowdfunding, anyone can invest in early stage private startups. If you're searching for entertaining, educational, and inspirational content about startup investing, this show is for you. I'm your host, Maxim Davis, and today on Seeking Startups, we have Kenny Chang, the president of Asenso Finance. Kenny is no stranger to entrepreneurship, as he was raised in an entrepreneurial household. With lessons he gained from his father, who owned a business in Guatemala, and decades-long experience working in finance, Kenny is bringing all of his knowledge to help build Asenso Finance. Asenso Finance is the working capital marketplace for small businesses. With the mission of helping small businesses through capital and resources, Kenny believes he and his team have what it takes to make a real difference and create a successful business in the process. Before we get started, I just want to thank all of my fellow podcast subscribers. Thank you for returning week after week listening to the show. I really appreciate all of your support. If you would like to help grow this podcast, please feel free to leave a rating and a review and share the show with your family and friends. Hey, I would like to quickly say that everything you hear in this podcast is only for informational and entertainment purposes. This is not financial advice and I'm not endorsing this company. Please do proper due diligence before investing in any startup. Okay, now let's get started. Kenny, thank you for being on the podcast. I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know more about you and uh, Senso Finance. Before we get into your story, let's talk about the company. So can you just tell me what Asenso is and what it does? Asenso is a all-inclusive neobank for small businesses. And uh, with that, we built a five different features that cater to just small businesses. So when you wanted to start businesses, there are a few things that you will need, right? After you register your company, uh, you need a bank account. You will need a working capital. You will need a business uh, insurance. Mm-hmm. And you probably will need a um, business uh, merchant services. So Ascenso is built on the small business need with the base of a uh, working capital. So with working capital, what we differ from others is a working capital marketplace. And what is that? Working capital marketplace is really a um, place where we will review your application, we underwrite your application, and by the time we send in to different lenders, your loan is already uh, approved so that when it goes to the lender, uh, it's basically it's negotiating on pricing. Okay. Right. So uh, different from other marketplaces that might be out there, um, they are just taking the information and just send it to different lenders and let the different lenders decide. Right? So what we did, we make an extra step. We truly underwrite you. And then by the time it goes to the lender, you are, you are approved. 
It's just a matter of pricing from different lenders as they have different uh, pricing structures. So that's what differentiates us in our marketplace. And, and this is important. So, um, you know, for you to start a business, people will start thinking, hey, you know, do I uh, put my own money? But what if it's not enough? Right? Do I go to my family? Do I go to the bank? So we kind of help you walk through that process and help you from the beginning to the end. Okay. So you focus on that marketplace um, aspect of getting that working capital. And did you also say you, you work on those other aspects, like getting the, the bank set up and then the insurance and all of that as well? Uh, we do. Um, okay. Do we start with the working capital? That's how um, the essential was envisioned uh, um, among us, the, the founders is to be able to provide that uh, working capital to small businesses after the pandemic. I see. As you know, uh, a lot of people have struggled to get their loans or the PPPs and many fail to receive the assistance that they need. Mm -hmm. And that's why essential mission is really close that gap, provide as much possible working capital to those in need. And so, so that's, that's our foundation. And after that, you know, we explore options, like I mentioned, you know, what do you need also as a small business, right? So we found a, a business insurance uh, system where, you know, the small business owners can go on, search over 200 insurance companies and, you know, get the best pricing as well. So that, you know, uh, they can compare if the current pricing is, uh, is higher or lower, right? So give them more options, choices. I think people prefer um, choices than not choices at all, <laughs> right? And then throughout the process of working capital, we'll offer them also the bank account, uh, you know, to do, uh, as we all talk about after the 2000, you know, um, 20, the pandemic, mobile become a necessary tool, you know, not a wanted tool, but a necessary tool. So you'll be able to open a bank account throughout that process as well and do your banking without really stepping into a bank. We experienced that, you know, in the pandemic, the banks have actually closed the doors, but they still operate on, on the vaccines. But how do you do it if, you know, you don't have the tool. So we offer that tool, you know, check, you know, the online banking, the, uh, the mobile deposit, all the features that allow you to operate without stepping into a brick and mortar location. If I am a small business owner and I'm looking to either start my business or grow my business and I'm looking for working capital, I'm looking for some support. How do I use your process or your company to, to help me do that? So uh, our process is simple. First, uh, we onboard you, right? You open a, uh, an account, uh, either through our mobile app or, uh, online. Then once you get onboarded, you know, uh, your account is created with the basic information that you provide. Okay. And uh, with that, then if you want to go further, let's say to apply for an account or to apply for the working capital, then it continues with the onboarding process, right? Then meaning we have some questions that we ask you, you know, and then at the end of the day, we'll also uh, provide you a uh, option to upload documentations um, to show that, you know, uh, what are your current status. And with that, then it go automatically to our AI system on the back end 
and do the underwriting. So instead of most uh, of the banks would do for days or weeks that we have experienced in the past, you know, uh, we will let them know in a matter of a day or two. Mm. If it's properly completed, it's within a day, we'll let you know if your loan is approved and what will be your offers on pricing. And for the account as well, you know, within a day, your account is open and you can start making deposit and doing your banking. When I was looking over your funding page, I know that you talked about how Asenso was able to analyze the risk in a way that maybe other companies can't and therefore provide the best funding to each company and uh, distribute that risk, right? And so I'm curious about like the onboarding process and the questions you ask. How are you able to, uh, I guess, assess that risk and find the best lender? Our unique um, system is we take a different factors, right? Uh, as a lender, they'll look at maybe, you know, just focusing on your credit per se, mm-hmm. right? Uh, your credit score is not to the point that, you know, you might be declined. We look beyond that, right? Your credit score will tell me one thing, but also we look at your uh, tax returns. We look at your uh, financials. We also look at your bank statements. So all this information will give us an idea how you're operating in your business. And our system will analyze through those information on top of that, right? Um, so for example, right, a bank statement would tell us how your expenses, right? You know, are, are, are you are you overspending so that your account is constantly negative or you're spending accordingly to the need and you actually, you know, know what you are spending. So we don't just look, you know, as a traditional, just your credit score, your credit report. We look beyond that. You look, we look at the behaviors uh, of the, uh, of, of the owners, how they are managing their business because what is the key of a small business right? is really the owner. Mm-hmm. The owner is really the soul of the business and, and the main operator. So it's important that we understand how he's operating and how he's managing his business. Um, and so you have this marketplace, you have the small business owner that's trying to get that capital, um, but then you also have a lender, right? And so we talked about the small business owner, how it works for them, but um, who do you work with on the other side, the lenders? Who are these uh, banks that are providing the capital? Definitely. Uh, we work with several lenders. Uh, and by lenders, I mean, we have the uh, new title, so-called CDFIs, okay. uh, which are treasury uh, approved lenders. Uh, we have community banks. Uh, we have private lenders and we have national banks. And uh, this uh, provide us a more variety of pricing and products that we can offer to the borrower. And by doing that, um, those um, lenders actually utilizing our system as well, because uh, we are showing them, this is a system that we go through. This is how, how we uh, review credit, you know, uh, the traditional way and the non-traditional way. And actually we can uh, set up in a way that you know, each lender will like to because lenders, they have their own credit policy that they have to abide to. So we can adjust in our back end so that whoever we underwrite it is fed to them. So the lenders are like that because first of all, you know, it cut down their costs. As I mentioned earlier, usually it take 
uh, the banks, you know, uh, days or weeks to process your loan. Why is that? Because now whatever the digital uh, banking out there or lending out there is really more of the intake of the application. And then you have to manually process in the back end. Right? As a borrower, you might not feel it, but that's how it works. Yeah, uh, there's really no automation, but we truly automate that. Okay. Right. So really, we're focusing on two spectrum of the client, which is most of the fintech or software companies out there. They're only focusing either on the consumer or on the uh, or the other uh, the provider, which is the uh, the product provider. In this case, the bank. We have both. We build both so that it benefit not just the consumer, but as well to the bank to basically, you know, once you automate and make it more efficient, your costs reduces. Uh, and for, for, for many years, uh, banks are worried of going to a small business market you know, and they limit the, the, the resources to small business markets because the cost, right? It's gonna cost me the same to process a loan that is $10,000 to a loan that is $500,000. So as a bank, most likely they want to go to the 500,000 as a more profitable because it's a larger loan. But in our case, we're telling that, look, it's going to cost you actually less. It won't cost you the same because we automate that. So, and it's scalable. So you can really reduce the overall cost, whether the small business, small loans, or medium to a large size companies or large size loans because it's fully automated. And uh, we get a very good uh, um, views from the from the lenders uh, as well with that. We're proud to say we actually won a competition with the FDIC uh, lending software uh, last year um, to be the most marketable. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, it's really a true, um, I would call it FinTech plus FinUp, meaning that you know, uh, it's not just the intake, but also the operation, which is the back end as well. So it's a full service on, on the both spectrum. I can see how by solving one problem from the bank side, which is cost and time, that solves the problem for the small business owner because now they can have access to that capital. So it's a full circle, like you like you said. Now, how does Vicenso make money? So you're a marketplace. Do you charge a fee to the bank or is it for the small business or both? Or how does that work? Uh, we have different uh, uh, profit models. Uh, as I said, we, we have different features on our system, right? So uh, we get uh, a profit, a small profit for, from the insurance okay. as we you know sell those insurance. We have profit on the loans as we um, originate those loans. Uh, it will generate a profit of servicing because what we are doing is we are offering the system to the lenders free of charge. Right. But in return, they will agree for us to process the loans and servicing the loans for them. Right. So we help them to manage that risk. So therefore, lower their costs so they don't have to hire you know, another 10 people just to handle the, the volume of the small business. But we take care of that automated. Okay. Right. And with that, so uh, we charge a fee to the, to the lender. So there's no cost to the, uh, the borrower. 
we also um, profit from the uh, the deposits, uh, like any other banks. You know, as a bank accounts gets open, uh, our bank accounts are FDIC insured uh, bank account from our sponsor bank. So uh, we also profit from the deposits. So in terms of the distribution model, because you have two, because you have a marketplace, you have two sides, right? Are you mainly focusing on one or the other? Or are you focusing on both? And how are you, you know, creating that um, flywheel? Definitely. Uh, and this is a, a, a challenging thing to do, right? So because, you know, traditionally you, you either focus on the consumer side or you're focusing on the uh, business side. Uh, now we have to do both, uh, which is uh, our model is built on, um, we have two teams. Uh, one is the uh, retail acquisition. The other one is a business business acquisition. And what's different is that, you know, um, we have uh, built a good solid foundation on the marketplace with, you know, lender participants uh, to our marketplace. So that is being built already. So the the next focus, you know, after our funding is really to, uh, to open up to consumers, to small businesses, mm. right? For them to start to really applying, go through the process, and then getting the loan funded. So, um, so that's, uh, that's the game plan of the two models. I see. I see. Can you talk about your traction so far? So you said you're focusing on the lenders first. How many of those do you have on board and, um, you know, are they paying customers and things like that? Yes. Uh, currently we have, uh, five lenders on board and we continue to grow that list. And um, the beauty of this is that as, as once we bring in on board, they are utilizing our system. So by utilizing our system, they actually are bringing customers in for us. Mm. Right, right. right. So, uh, so we actually starting that. So the lenders actually is high encouraging their customers go through our process, you know, and then have us to then on the right, and then fund the loan and service the loan. So we've been doing that already with the lenders, the five lenders that we have brought in place. And as we see the process works, so very soon we do expect on the third quarter of the year to open up ourselves to the public as well. As we can see, there's a huge demand. We are starting here in California, uh, but definitely we will slowly open up to different states how many lenders do you onboard like a quarter and where do you see that going? Uh, we expect to onboard two lenders per month. Okay. So it would say six per quarter. Uh, okay. That's ideal. So once we onboard them, we have to, uh, it kind of takes some time to set them up and, and train them um, so that they can direct the people to the system. Right. And how many small businesses do you see come through each lender? So on average, how many um, referrals do you get from um, each lender that you onboard? Uh, so far, we have actually you know, uh, brought in about 15 to 18 small businesses okay. through the system. I, was, I will say uh, we have funded about 80% of those uh, small businesses. Um, okay. we encounter a, a, for example, 
they we have we request a certain information and and they don't have it, so things get delayed, right? Because then we have to adjust the metric and have the system to look for other other sources to 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 review the loan. So our goal is to to really uh, bring the working capital uh, to the small business, whatever the way possible. Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll go through beyond the traditional credit and look into what other information that, you know, we can see or analyze, you know, to come to a, a reasonable decision, uh, to approve or decline a loan. Right. Right. So if you had about five lenders and you've had about 15 to 18, um, small businesses, you're looking at maybe three to four, um, on average that come through each lenders. Is that about right? Yes. Okay, gotcha. And um, keep in mind, we are still on a testing mode, so um, like we have not, you know, fully launched the the product. Um, once, as I said, once we onboard the, the the lenders, we go through a training to the lenders as well, right? Right, so, right. Uh, on those time, we talk about you know about two weeks for them to feel comfortable. And then for them to start coming in and then testing, right? Making sure that, um, you know, the, the process is comfortable for them as well. And at the same time, give us a, a, a better feeling how lenders feels about the market. When we come back, you'll get to hear what customers are saying about Asenso Finance. But before that, here's how you can personally invest in the company. Asenso is currently raising up to $1 million at a $12 million valuation cap on WeFunder. After the early bird terms expire, the valuation cap will be raised to $15 million. The current minimum investment amount is $100 per investor. Funding is currently open, but is scheduled to close on June 29th, 2022. But if they hit their maximum funding limit before then, you'll be directed to their waitlist. If you're interested in getting more information, check the show notes below where you can find a link to their funding page. Can you talk a little bit about what customers are saying about your products? You know, why they like the products, kind of um, their experiences? Uh, so far, uh, we have uh, a good comment, uh, uh, responses on our product from consumer side. Uh, as mentioned, um, uh, we make it a pretty easy to, to go through the onboarding, answering questions, uh, uh, the uh, verifying themselves, um, the um, the uploading of the documentation. So uh, it, if you are used to uh, apply, for example, credit card online or uh, applying something online, you know you wouldn't feel any difference uh, or any uh, issues or troubles throughout the way. So uh, we are ha- very happy about that. On on that, um, I think the and honestly, I mean, um, you know, it, it's something that comes to very unique about us compared to other ones is the uh, EKYC, the identification process. Uh, most of the applications out there, uh, you fill the application, you claim who you are, and you know, that's that's pretty much it. Right. Um, there is no way for the computer to really, you know, identify besides understanding, capturing your IP address. Right. But, you know, what we did is we, we took that further, um, 
by um, putting a software to do a KYC, which is know your customer software, uh, biometric software into our process. So while you're filling out the application, you know, there's a biometric system that will need you to, you know, uh, scan your ID, right? And that scanning will actually review to attend, to confirm whether your ID is valid, uh, real ID. Uh, and then, you know, uh, with your biometric, they will compare, you know, the two, the, your ID picture and your biometric picture to match it, to make sure that, you know, you are who you are that is applying for. It's interesting that you, you know, mentioned all these things. It sounds like what Ascenso really does is digitizes and automates a lot of the, the process to, to make it faster, to make it uh, cheaper, uh, to make it more secure. Um, one thing I would like to ask about is market timing and runway. And so I'm sure you're aware of, you know, the, the market that we're in right now for startups. It's, it's getting more and more difficult to raise money. Um, tech stocks, tech valuations have really come down recently. And so can you talk about how Ascenso is planning to maneuver through this, uh, this market? We all know the economy is not the best right now. Uh, so uh, we do foresee uh, some declines uh, in the near future. So with that, uh, I believe the, the product is needed more than ever. Mm. And, um, and we're getting good responses uh, from, from, from customers and from vendors as well. Right. So, um, and idea of keeping the cost low, same thing applies to our firm, right? So uh, we're a big believer that, you know, um, with so much technology out there, you know, it become a commodity. It shouldn't be, you know, expensive like, you know, five years ago, right? Um, so uh, our runway, we're looking at, you know, two, three years. Okay. So uh, by really uh, controlling our budget, not to exceed, you know, certain expenses. So um, as I mentioned earlier, same concept apply, right? Uh, we want to spend uh, the need, not the want, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that, you know, we cover their needs and we have enough to weather the storm. Right, right. So, so we do have a very good plans and we have implemented that and we're very proud of saying that, you know, uh, definitely we should be able to run, you know, two, three years uh, without any issues or hiccups. I didn't think about it, but I think you kind of alluded to it, which is when funding dries up in the market, maybe more people actually use your service because um, um, there's no other possible opportunity to get money elsewhere. So it's possible that you could actually do better. Yes. And, um, and as mentioned in the beginning, right? So it's really important for business or uh, companies out there to, to, to think, well, am I, you know, going to continue to do equity or am I going to continue to do debt? What if we equity dries up, then debt goes up. So it's really like a seesaw, um, the effect. So, you know, uh, as you know, mentioned, the economy not at its best, you will see a slowdown in equity then definitely, you know, we'll see a better, a huge increase on debt. Uh, even though with the, the interest rate right now with the market, uh, still considering, you know, uh, cheap capital compared to equity. 
because you are giving up your rights to your business rather than, you know, you're controlling your own destiny, right? Oh, that's interesting. So you, you mentioned your traction, where you are now, but can you talk about the larger opportunity? Like how many businesses are there? How many uh, lenders could use this? And just kind of paint the, the bigger picture for us. Oh, definitely. I mean, just in California, since we are based in California, we have over 31.7 million small businesses just in California. And that's the market opportunity that has very little penetration, as I mentioned, from banks. And our lenders, uh, from the longest time, most non-bank lenders are mortgages or real estate related, right? There's no to probably one or two that would do business loans. So this is still a huge market that, you know, we could, you know, gain from. And uh, as for banks, you know, this California loans is over, you know, 300 banks, right? And, um, and since, you know, we mentioned, we started by focusing more on the community and CDFIs. So CDFIs alone in California is over a hundred CDFIs in California. Okay. Right. So, um, and not to mention, you know, community banks, credit unions. So, uh, so there's still, uh, plenty of room and opportunity that, uh, we can go after and really, you know, show them that, you know, how we can really impact the small business when they most need it. Like you said, that's just California, but I'm assuming eventually you want to expand to other states and, and grow, maybe even possibly, I guess, global. Um, that could be an opportunity too, I guess. Oh yeah, definitely. And our vision is uh, is a scalable system. So um, as we grow, we'll, we'll take care of what we have to take care here in California and we'll continue to grow uh, as we partner with more banks, right? Um, mm-hmm. Same thing, a lot of lenders is very state-focused. Um, and right now, uh, the, the five partners that we have is mostly California lenders uh, and banks. So uh, as we continue to prove ourselves, uh, I think uh, uh, bank out-of-state banks will you know, take us in and join us to our mission. Uh, I have one more question before we get into your story, your backgrounds, and things like that. And that is um, your exit strategy. And I know you're early in the, into this process and you're trying to figure this out, but um, you know, what, what would make you satisfied or what would make you happy? Um, I think this is, uh, um, it's a good question for every startup, right? Uh, when you start a company, you also wanted to think how you're going to exit. And there's many ways to exit. Uh, and, you know, we basically look into each of the options and it's hard to tell at this point, uh, um, which will be the best option. Um, you, you know, it could be through acquisitions, uh, or we could, you know, um, go public or, um, we could continue to expand. You know, uh, I think the market is big enough that, you know, all these three possibilities could happen. Right. And, um, and even, you know, now we do have a very interested, uh, institution that are, uh, talking to us and, you know, try to exit us already. Oh, so, wow, already. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, but we feel that we haven't, uh, uh, we, we haven't really achieved what we wanted to achieve in the sense to make an impact. I think that's really uh, critical for us. 
uh, to really make impact on the small business, uh, providing the networking capital. So, um, but, you know, we're very, you know, excited that, you know, um, someone has a knowledge and, and, and really, uh, proven that, you know, our concept, our business, our software works and, and, and they want to be part of it. And we're very, very proud of that. Well, perfect. Well, I appreciate all the details, all the information um, about us. And so I, I think it really gives us a good idea of what, um, what it's all about, what you're doing, your goal and everything like that. But um, now let's move into your background, your story and get to know uh, more about you. Um, and so let's go all the way back to your childhood and let's get to learn more about uh, Kenny um, at, at that time of his life. And so you were born and raised in Guatemala. Is, is that right? Yes. You know, um, I'm an Asian descendant and born and raised in Guatemala, which is uh, uh, South Central America next to Mexico. So your, your parents, uh, they moved from, from where to, to Guatemala? Um, my parents were in Taiwan. So uh, they migrated, they migrated to, to Guatemala and that's where I was born and, and raised as my parents settled in Guatemala. And I'm very proud, you know, uh, be a, um, uh, a multilingual, uh, gave me the opportunity to really learn languages without much effort. I'm, I'm curious. So why did your parents move to Guatemala out of all the places, uh, in the world? Uh, well, uh, my dad was a diplomat to, okay. to Guatemala and, um, after going there by himself because of work, he, he, he fell in love with the country. Uh, he, he liked the people, he, he, he enjoyed, uh, the, uh, the, the, the city, he enjoyed the country. Uh, I think that kind of attracted him to say, Hey, you know, um, maybe we wanted to come over and, you know, have a family here and, and, and see how far this goes. And that's what he did. So my dad, you know, decided to, to quit and, you know, start a business. So, you know. He himself was an entrepreneur as well. Um, you know, started a business in Guatemala and brought my mom and grew the family there. Wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty risky, right? I mean, to, to move from one country to another, quit your job and start, start a business. Like how, how was it like growing up, um, in that environment and, you know, a different place and your, your, your dad being an entrepreneur. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah. Um, I think I, I was very fortunate. Uh, I didn't feel much different. I mean, just like, you know, another Guatemalan kid, mm-hmm. you know, born and raised there. Um, you know, my friends, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, you know, uh, you know even until now, I mean, we're still uh, in touch and having the, you know, annual, uh, the reunions, my high school reunions in Guatemala. So um, uh, it's exciting. And just like you said, yeah, it's very risky. I mean, anything you do in life, uh, there's always a risk involved. Uh, it's a matter of, um, have you thought it through? Uh, if you plan it through and, you know, if it's something that you truly believe on it, just, I would say, just try it, do it. Uh, and, and that's what my dad did. And that's how I learned as well from my dad is, you know, um, he went there, he learned about the culture. Uh, he really liked it. And he liked how things are done there, you know, the people, I think that's really important. And, uh, by starting a business there, uh, he felt that, you know, he can uh, be an impact as well, you know, creating job 
you know, um, mm-hmm. locally and um, grow with the people that, you know, treated him well, uh, welcomed him when he first went there uh, as a diplomat. And what business uh, did he start? What, what was it? Uh, what did he do? Yeah, he started as a manufacturer uh, and then he grew to be an import and export, uh, actually by building products in Guatemala uh, and then shipping back to Asia. So um, that uh, was, you know, I think now we kind of uh, doing a lot of things over there around here in the States. Uh, we, we're buying a lot of products from overseas. Yeah. But uh, back then, you know, a lot of products are made locally. Um, and uh, and that's how the business grew. Now, whenever, you know, your dad was, was doing this, did you get involved? Did you, were you curious about the business aspect? Were you curious about what he was doing? Or was that something that, you know, it was just kind of normal. You didn't really think about. Uh, I think, you know, like I said, I think I, I learned quite a bit from my dad. That's why, you know, um, after my corporate life, you know, I um, enjoyed being an entrepreneur as well. You know, started, you know, a few companies myself uh, and exited. So it's really, um, you know, throughout you know, my childhood, I, I was, I would to, I remember going with my dad to, to meetings and listening. Uh, I would just sit there instead of trying to, you know, running around and play, I would just listen because I'm curious, mm-hmm. you know, what they're talking about, right? And I see that how he was able to uh, to to negotiate and actually turn businesses uh, into partners uh, and then partners to friends, right? And, and, and it's about the relationship, it's the relationship building and, and really finding the need, I think from, a uh, very young age, you know, uh, my dad was telling me, you know, uh, as long as you do something good for the people and you help them to get what they need, you know, the business will not fail. Yeah, those are some really great lessons. I love the um, aspect that business is about people, right? If you can work with people, if you can understand people, then you will be successful. And then also solving a problem. So I think those are some really great lessons that, uh, you know, he taught you back then. Hey, I just wanted to share an update about the Seeking Startups Roadmap. Phase one was to create more transparency in the equity crowdfunding market by providing you with exclusive founder interviews. With phase one moving at full speed, I'd like to announce phase two, the Seeking Startups community, a community built by the crowd for the crowd, a place where you can learn, share due diligence, and connect with other equity crowdfunding investors. I would love for you to be a part of this exciting new group, so I welcome you to join today. Click the link in the description below to get started, and I'll see you there. Um, you went to school in Guatemala. You, you you also went to high school there, and then eventually you moved out of Guatemala, right? You you came to the United States. Um, why why did you do that? Right. So I mean, uh, U.S. has always been known well in higher education, right? Uh, and that's really the the colleges, you know, universities. So, um, you know, and again, my dad being there in Guatemala as an Asian, so he still carries some of the Asian cultures with him. So, uh, always their goals as Asians is to send their kids <laughs> to the U.S. <laughs> for the higher education. So I was part of that process and, um, and was, uh, shipped over, uh, went to different uh, schools, interviews. And, uh, and at the end, I just fell in love with Boston. So I ended up in Boston University, you know, um, 
I think it's the right timing. Uh, uh, a travel came to LA in the summer, which is really hot back then. <laughs> and then, you know, went to Canada when it's really cold. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then went to Boston during the springtime, which is beautiful, beautiful. Mm. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of, you know, the right time uh, and right place and fell in love with Boston. And that uh, I decided to, you know, I'll go for my college degree. And uh, what did you study? I actually started as a pre-med, uh, but then throughout my, you know, last year, I senior year, I realized that uh, maybe I can do better to help people. As I mentioned, right, I learned from my dad, you know, if you do something to help people, then you will never fail. So uh, I think, uh, obviously, my friend circles, they were either business or they were uh, in, you know, um, politics. Um, so uh, one of my friends, you know, uh, has offered me uh, to take with him on an internship with the governor's office in Massachusetts, in Boston. And um, by seeing what they were doing, you know, putting policies uh, and, 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 and thinking of how, you know, uh, to help people that kind of hit me as well. Like, you know, uh, maybe it's going to take me another five years to, to graduate from Mexico to, for me to actually help people. Maybe this could, I can make the immediate impact right away. So, uh, uh, so I make, uh, a choice to, you know, jump into political science. So I graduated on political science and started to uh, intern for different politicians uh, back in Boston. And, you know, I think uh, I was fortunate. So I, I was given a lot of opportunities and uh, I, I was you know, asked to also intern for Merrill Lynch. And that's when I started my first learning of uh, financial um, industry and how that you know, can be an, a bigger impact as well. That kind of also got my attention. And um, back then, you know, I'm a very curious guy, so I like to learn. So I went at did my internship, did my round of the different department. And um, fortunately, I was offered a job right after college and I took it. <laughs> wow. And that kind of shifted me from politics to finance and then you know, finishing my MBA while working full time. So something different that someone would do uh, uh, as a as an Asian descendant. But I think that's been very uh, useful um, and uh, fulfill really what you know uh, what I like to do at the end and what I'm doing right now. You know, and I've been financed for over twenty years and. You know, it's really, I can see how this could, you know, give an immediate impact to people and help make people's life different. Mm -hmm. Because policies could take ages to really hit and reach that impact, right? Because, you know, change of policy is not going to be effective or, you know, it's not going to uh, be really filled until, you know, a couple of years later. But, you know, like, in, like I mentioned earlier, finance is personal, business, it's everything you do. That's I choose to, to go for finance at the end. You mentioned um, that you were a curious person, that you 
kind of wanted to explore a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and why do you think you are so curious? Was it, was it your upbringing? Is it just kind of innate to you? Can you talk more about that? I think, uh, well, learning is important because kind of give you a different perspective, right? So why people go to school, it's really uh, of making you uh, think differently. And uh, uh, on the side joke is, you know, whatever learning college, not really what's going on in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, most people like coming out from college, not knowing anything what's going on <laughs> out there, actually, right? But you know, what difference is that it gives you a different perspective, right? Uh, your your work gives you an experience. A school gives you a, a way of thinking. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, and one thing that when you would never lose is knowledge. Whatever you learn stays with you forever, right? You're not going to lose it at any point. So, you know, and I, I think that, you know, that's how, you know, um, more you know, really, is more you being better informed and you can make better decisions out of it. That's why, you know, curiosity is good, but obviously, you know, uh, also limit that curiosity because, you know, not everything is, you know, it's good to try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good to know, but it's good to know why not to try it. But there are all the things that, hey, maybe you should try this, right? Right. And so your curiosity led you to finance and then you, you realized kind of how um, impactful finance can be, how scalable it is and how it could really impact uh, people. So that's, that's why you fell in love with it. And so can you talk a little bit more about your time at, um, was it Merrill Lynch? Is that right? Yes. And can you, can you talk about some of the lessons you learned and just kind of how that impacted you moving forward? Sure. Uh I mean, just like any other first job, um, it, it, it comes to you as, you know, a, a new environment that you will need to adjust. Uh, but, you know, fortunately, uh, I did an internship, so I knew most of the people that I was working with. Mm -hmm. And um, by learning uh, the opportunity and learning all different aspects of finance, you know, not just really knowing one piece of the finance, right? Um, I kind of rotate uh, back then, there was a great program that allowed me to rotate to different departments, understanding credit, uh, understanding uh, analysis, you know, how the stock market moves, right? Uh, why people need to get loans. So all that kind of came and uh, gave me a, a sense of, okay, uh, people have options. I just mentioned earlier, right? you have options of, uh, of getting an equity, you have options of getting debt. Right. And different type of debt and different type of equities. So, um, I think by knowing those, uh, options, then you can better assess, you know, what is the most suitable for you. And, uh, back then at Merrill Lynch, you know, give me, uh, opportunity to really learn how people are being analyzed or how the business being analyzed, right? What is the credit worthiness? Like I said, back then, you know, our truly what we have is, you know, the credit system, right? To judge whether this person is credit worthy. But today we have more options, right? We have the financials, we have the bank statements, we have you know, all this information tied together that you can really see the whole picture rather than just one piece of information. Back then, uh, when I first started, really, you know, um, took time to really learn that and be able to 
you know, provide early time capital to businesses back then that was needed. Right. So, uh, and I remember, uh, back then my, my first loan, uh, it was a, to a, uh, a small, uh, also an import export company. And, um, because my dad did that. So, uh, quickly I was able to, to understand because you, like I said, you have to understand, um, also the, um, uh, the whole picture in order to, to assess and, and make a decision of it. So I was quickly, uh, understand how that business model worked. And, um, and really, uh, it's, uh, if you don't understand it, then it's part, part for you to read the information that is being provided to you. So, um, and that would give you only very little options, but, you know, by understanding it, then, you know, kind of different options pop up my head and, uh, I was able to structure and actually help them to really grow, um, the company. And, uh, they was like three years later, they just, they got acquired, they exited, the owners exited, um, because, you know, of that capital, I still remember, uh, I got a letter when the company got acquired and, you know, thanking us that, you know, we, we were there to help them. I, I think that's my first thank you letter from a customer that, you know, we really did something for him and, you know, and helped his business. Mm -hmm. That, uh, I, I think that's kind of carry along with me, uh, until today. So I, I want to continue to, to, to help people, uh, and help them grow. Like I said, you know, um, a lot of times when, uh, as an investor myself as well, you know, we, we are not longer just investing for the sake of investing. I think, um, uh, if you invest with a purpose, like I said, you're not going to go wrong with it. Right. You know, you invest, uh, with a mission, uh, of helping people, that investment will grow. And so after your time at Merrill Lynch, what, what did you do next? I was uh, recruited to uh, another company and a smaller broker dealer. Mm -hmm. And that broker dealer, uh, Wessel, was the first technology that was in the 90s before E-Trade came out, the online trading. So, um, so that company was really focusing on how to make online trading happen. Because back then, you would have to call the broker. And the broker will have to write a ticket and, 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 and trade it for you. You can just log in and trade your stock yourself. So, uh, so we were in the mission of creating that so that people can just trade themselves without going through a broker. And, um, due to funding reasons, uh, we got beat up by E-Trade. So <laughs> was the first, you know, the big online trading out there that, you know, uh, later on, everybody follows, but, uh, I think the owner were also fortunate, you know, they were able to exit, you know, uh, had a merger because, uh, I think we have a good, a very unique tools that allow you back then to really do cross-border trading, mm. uh, which, yeah, you know, um, now you can see more and more with better technologies, you know, a lot of things now is global. It's no longer just local, but it's more global. So back then we have a, uh, a system that was able to connect both and, uh, and do that, you know, uh, overseas trading as well and all the stock markets. Um, so we get, uh, I got acquired and, um, throughout the acquisition, um, uh, I was, uh, you know, offer at Citigroup and that's why I end up here in California. 
ideally back then I was thinking, hey, I mean, finance, maybe New York will be a better place for me to, <laughs> to, to live on and, and work. But yeah, uh, instead I was offered to come to California and until today, I don't regret it. I love California. I mean, it's become my home now and, um, you know, you can beat the weather here in California. Right, so, right. So you got recruited over to City, and what, what was your position at that time? I went through different positions. I, I started as a uh, compliance officer, uh, and then um, I grew myself to be an area manager and uh, become a regional manager. Okay. And so how long were you at City for? I was there for like four and a half years. Okay. Then, you know, follow my uh, boss to different banks. So, uh, okay. Being at different banking since then. Um, and, and in banking, uh, uh, I started as a uh, junior credit officer and then uh, become a, uh, a, a regional credit officer as well in a regional bank. And then also um, was tasked with the uh expansion uh before the 08 <laughs> expansion of the uh of retail banks so uh like i said fortunate to 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 have different opportunities wearing different hats um and you know um and like i said my personality uh being curious so you know i enjoy challenges you know, uh, because people will say, hey, but if you went to credit, why you didn't shift to expansion? Well, because, you know, um, credit, now that you learn credit, then, you know, um, you need to learn how to expand that as well, right? Uh, because without learning the expansion, then, you know, um, a lot of time, one credit officer, for example, a, a mortgage underwriter, all they learn is how to underwrite mortgages, but they don't know how to underwrite business or underwrite commercial real estate, right? So, you know, by going to the other side as well is to learn what business is out there, right? Besides what we see on paper, right? What is truly, you know, going on in the field, um, as I mentioned, not just look at them like a credit number, but really look at the whole picture understanding the business, understanding the owner, right? Who's applying for the loans. Now, that will give you even better judgment of how that business is doing and how successful this business can be uh, by taking your loan and how your loans can make an impact. And so eventually you started your own business actually um, called Simply Loans. Can you talk about why you did that and, and um, your experience? I think, you know, um, since my young age, you know, for my dad, I guess I kind of inherited that <laughs> entrepreneurship. So, you know, after the corporate world, um, I was, you know, um, recruited by a few of clients of mine. And, and that was after 2008, um, 2015, if I recall. Uh, you know, let's do something. Basically, uh, uh, one of my clients told me, let's do something together. I'm like, why? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the banks are not lending that much. And, um, you know, everything is so slow because, you know, technology was not you know, great yet. Um, 
So um, let's do something that m- make lending easier, right? Because uh, my client, like, you know, um, I remember uh, when, when we processed this loan, took us, you know, really almost a month, <laughs> uh, really a month to really review the financials, you know, looking at this uh, paper, everything is very manual. Uh, so we're like, you know, it shouldn't be that complicated, right? So, and especially when you buy a home, you know, you're, you're looking at an individual alone. You're not looking at the whole business. You're looking, you know, whether this person can make enough money yeah. uh, and, and pay. So, so we, we put together a team and uh, we created a formula and, and we built Simple Loans, really a, a, a digital uh, mortgage company back then. One of the few, I think, uh, uh, right after what, you know, Rocket Mortgage came out back then was Quicken Loans. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, you know, we kind of see, you know, that could be done. So um, we built something uh, at about the same time as then. Um, so so I think uh, we were very happy for what we had built, you know. And um, so same thing you know we were approached and and made an offer and we think that you know uh the business will grow even bigger uh with a bigger company so we exited that company and that's how my um you know entrepreneurship you know continues so you know after that then you know pandemic hit, you know took a break we look at different other things uh i make some investments during that period of time and then you know i had i was fortunate to uh to meet with our ceo winston demario to you know to share that same mentality and, and share that same concept of mission to really build uh, an inclusive you know a technology that will make an impact to daily people so um so so that's I joined, you know, we'll put our, uh, our, our brains together and, you know, um, Ascenso is part of a Talino Ventures, which is, you know, um, the venture studio that really creates software for inclusiveness. Um, and uh, uh, throughout their portfolio, we will see we have another uh, company that is focusing on immigrants uh, uh, and Ascenso focus on small business needs. Um, so, uh, every company that we create, you know, has a mission built into it and has a purpose to it. And I think has served as well. And go back to what I like to say, if you invest with a purpose by helping people, you will never fail. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the show. But before we hear about Senso Finance's company structure, I thought you might be interested in hearing a few stats about the company. The company is currently located in Los Angeles, California. Ascenso Finance was chosen to participate in Mercury Bank's race program. Ascenso Finance is backed by Tolino Venture Labs. And in the most recent year-end, Ascenso generated $80 million of revenue and had a net profit of $1,641. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. So I think you you know, mentioned kind of the, the history of Ascenso. Um, you said that Winston created Tolino Venture Labs and uh, Ascenso was created uh, by 
uh, Tolino. Can you talk about the whole structure and how to, how everything works? Venture Studio is a new concept that came now, you know, just recently. Uh, instead of a venture capital company who just give you money to invest and just expect returns and they call a day, Venture Studio model works differently. Venture Studio, besides providing you uh, the the seed money, uh, they also help you to build a team, to build the system itself, right? Uh, because a lot of times, uh, like in, uh, any founders would think, well, I have this great idea or uh, I build this, right? Uh, without thinking, okay, once you have the technology, how you going to commercialize it? How you going to bring this to the market? And I think that's very important. Uh, a lot of, you know, um, either founders who are from the tech background or founders from the business background um, who need someone to build it. So Talino has over 65 engineers. Their job is to build ideas, right? And, and a lot of time people say, ah, building a software is easy. Eh, not really, because you might have, you probably build 10 different you know, softwares, but probably just one that actually works because the functions, the codings, there's a lot of components that's built into it, right? So uh, if we were a business background like myself, I wouldn't know how to build it. I would need the engineer's team to, to actually build it and build my idea. And that's what, you know, Talino Ventures, you know, offers, right? Uh, we, we can, these thoughts, we conceptualize the, uh, the idea and then we build it. You know, we build it, we test it. And at the same time, on top of that, it's very important besides the founder itself, you have to also have a team, right? Without a team, you, you, you can't grow anywhere, right? So like, you know, I think they were, they were saying, you know, two brains, I would think better than one, right? So if you have 10 brains, so much, much, you know, faster and grow bigger with that. And, and that's what also Talino offers to build a team for you, right? Uh, we go out the market, we, we see, you know, the potential candidates for different positions and we put it together. Now the founder would then have a team to really go and grow the company. Do you work on other parts of, uh, other parts of different companies? Or are you solely focused on a So, uh, I do also, uh, um, work, um, I'm actually a, um, chief operating officer as well for Talino and, um, okay. Each of our partners or um, management team uh, get assigned to different new ventures that uh, Tanino decides to to invest on, right? So, okay. um, for example, Asenso, uh, when we have the idea, we test it, it works, spawns out for itself to be independent, then, you know, we'll assign a CEO, we'll assign a president, uh, the CFO, we, we, like I mentioned, we, we, we assign a team for them, right? And once the company, you know, raise their, uh, their funds and grow independently, then the management might or might not shift depending on uh, how things goes. Um, and um, we will step back to Tolino and go and be appointed to another company that might spawn out from there. I see. Right. So, uh, but we do get assigned to one company at a time to help to grow that company 
Uh, and then once it's, you know, operational, then, you know, um, further discussion will happen to decide, you know, will we continue uh, or, you know, we have a, a better management team that we can build around it. I see. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting concept how it brings in the venture capital aspect, but then also creating a team around it. And so you're currently the president, but um, eventually that could change depending on the trajectory of the, of the company. You could bring in a CEO, and then you might work on something else. Is that is that about right? Yeah, that's a possibility. But uh, that's uh, as I mentioned, will happen uh, after the company stabilizes, right? And then you know. Um, Finding a good leader is not easy, right? So uh, it would take time, and if you know there's no one that suitable for the time being, then I will continue to lead Ascenso as as long as it's needed. How's the decision structure like? How are decisions made in um, this company? So you're the president. Um, do you make all the decisions of what Ascenso does? Like any other company, we have the management team, we have a board directors, right? So the board would dictate the, the strategic, the overall high level planning directions uh, to the CEO. And then the CEO will work with the president to, uh, to implement and uh, execute uh, the plans and operations of the company. So um, once it's spawned off, it's no different than any other company, but a better structure startup than a one-man startup per se. Right? Mm-hmm. So we have the uh, the full support from the parents, the the venture studio, and then we have our own independent team. Right. So uh, one of our board directors is the former CTO of eBay, who actually you know advised on on the technology side. Uh, we do have a. Uh, an executive uh, vice president for uh, a California banks to advise us uh, on the banking. And then we also have a uh, an attorney to advise on all the legals and compliance. So we cover all different aspects. Uh, so like, you know, building a strong board is also important. We believe that uh, a strong board will help the company uh, to grow even better. Okay, I see how that works. And moving in more into into the company, obviously, since I was in a early stage, you have some traction, um, you have some funding. Um, but what's the biggest challenge that you know you've faced so far uh, in trying to get this company up and running? Um, the biggest challenge is always um, finding fine tuning your product to the market, right? Uh, and you know, be honest, true. No technology is perfect. And, uh, and will never be perfect, and uh, and that's how we we go through the process and and learning, and that's what Ascenso did, right? Even though we were our uh, grant winner of the most ready uh, software to be on the market by FDIC, you know, we're still learning at this age right now today. Is that you know the product will never be perfect; it will just get better, right? And and you know initially, like I mentioned, you know we thought of lending first, nothing else, right? But on providing the capital, then then what? Then just like uh, I mentioned, just like a regular, the, 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 the regular VC, I give you money and yeah, hey, go and knock yourself out. <laughs> but the owner is like, okay, then great. You know, if 
if I do well and I know what I'm doing, then, you know, but I still need support. Any owner or founder needs support. Nothing can be done. It's like I said, a one man shop would never works, right? You need a team, right? And for an owner, why do they need capital? So they can hire people to help. You know, you don't run a restaurant just having a chef. <laughs> you need a waitress, you need a host, mm-hmm. uh, you need uh, the, the, the other uh, back support, the cleaning. So you need a team. And, and I think um, the, the, the essential uh, challenge is really build that software that really can help not just in the capital, but like I mentioned, all the product for a business to be complete, right? So we're giving them enough tools so that the owner have the tools to build that team as well. It's an ongoing ongoing challenge, which uh, makes a lot of sense. And so you're iterating and trying to create the best product for your, for your customers, basically. Um, now, besides that, besides making the best product, What's something that maybe keeps you up at night, either about the market or about the company that, um, you know, sometimes you're like a little bit worried about? Like any other companies, I think, uh, and in the leadership position, you know, you wanted to think, obviously, the economy, how the economy is going to go and how that's going to affect your company moving forward, Um, the, the products that you're offering. And um, your uh, your team, right? Uh, how how good shape are your team is? Do you need to improve? Do you need to de- decrease? And, and how to manage that budget? You know, you mentioned earlier what is the run rate? Why we can say that you know we can last in two three years? You know, compared to probably a few months ago, I would say probably will only last us eighteen months um, because we sit down, we plan it. And, and that's what gave me, uh, uh, late at night is to how can I improve the efficiency, right? If I'm helping my client to improve their efficiency, how I can use that to improve my efficiency at all, right? So that's when, you know, uh, a lot of decisions, a lot of, uh, discussions and, and, uh, and I think that's, you know, uh, uh, a brainstorming of the team is, is so critical. Uh, it's probably not just me, but my team being so supportive, you know, and, and really come out with ideas and turn that idea and, and execute those ideas and make it reality. And that's how we were able to project a, a longer term uh, by properly making more efficient, you know, and, and, and that efficiency has to be on constant monitoring. You can't just say, Hey, we're going to do this. Uh, it worked great. Then then that's it <laughs> then things if you don't it's, you don't follow up and constant monitor it thing might fell off so unfortunately that's just life and at the same time for us uh once we close our round on investments you know uh for us we do have uh i mentioned uh, from our system being transparent same thing with our investors uh, so we have a quarterly you know uh investors uh, meeting that you know, uh, either on Zoom, okay, which is still most efficient since it's you know nationwide, uh, and um, have that to to really communicate to the investors, you know, how we doing, uh, what have we done, and how much impact so far have we done as well, so that you know your money is invested and in the purpose and how that purpose has become reality or not. I know that you mentioned a few of those board members that um, 
are on your board. Um, but can you talk a little bit more about your team? Um, who's on your team and like, what do they bring um, to, to make a Senso, uh, you know, uh, a successful company? Definitely. I mean, uh, a team is, um, you, you first have to have a working chemistry, right? Uh, just because a person has a great resume doesn't mean you will fit well. And that's what I learned through life and being in management for corporations, um, larger corporations out there is that, you know, uh, the important for your team to be successful is really have that sense of chemistry. And definitely, of course, the background of what they do and the skills that they can bring in to their titles, right? For example, uh, our chief marketing officer, right? She has been mm, over 30 years in the field of, you know, public relations and marketing. So she understands, you know, uh, how information can be delivered, you know, and she can run a shop where her team members that, you know, being sourced by her understands what our mission and how we can deliver that message, uh, to the public. All right. For my CTO, um, he is, you know, um, a tech guy that built other softwares before. So. He understand the difficulties or the, the easiness of building certain type of softwares and, and how we can, um, make our system, you know, uh, upgradable, scalable. And that's important. And not just know how to build, but really understand how this thing can grow. I think that's another thing that, uh, my team, uh, which is also my job to share with my team to not just see what we can do right now, but how this thing can, can live further, uh, two years later and how this thing, this technology can help people. Right. And not just to build it now. Okay. We can have fun couple of loans and, and let it be. No, no, we're going to continue to see how we can improve this and how more impact we can make with this. Right. And so that's, that's a requirement for my team and for any team members that Talino come up with, right? Um, our CFO, right? She, again, background in accounting, but not just in accounting, but, you know, also analyzing, you know, how the company gonna be managed financial wise, what our run rate, you know, what do we need, you know, uh, how much, uh, communication as well. Uh, with marketing, do we need to communicate with our investors? And that's what I said, you know, it is our part of our governance is to really provide the transparency as well to our investors, you know, by providing them the quarterly meetings once we conclude our investment rounds. You mentioned investors and um, you're raising through equity crowdfunding uh, right now. And I was wondering if you could tell us why you chose equity crowdfunding. You think that's a, a good... Um, you know, root for, for a sense of. Great question. I think, uh, uh, equity crowdfunding has two purposes, right? One is besides the investor, uh, allowing, uh, smaller investors rather than, you know, uh, VCs or institutional investors to invest in you. Uh, I think it's something that was created to allow, uh, uh individuals, non-institutional investors to also invest in the potential of a company, right? Uh, and which is why a lot of companies now try to learn how to crowdfund and in different platforms. The other way also to look at crowdfunding is also, uh, exposure, right? 
the platform is built to let people to see what you have as well, right? So if uh, besides you know, we marketed, you know, uh, on on different social medias or you know newspapers or magazines, you know, I think that's a, a good way for uh, people to get to know you. And as an investor, you tend to be more curious. Hey, what is the company mm-hmm. about? What I'm about to invest. And I think, you know, uh, at least for us, it's important. We want people to not just know our brand name, but really know who we are and what we do, right? And that will really uh, help us as as we grow in the market as well. Um, because if people just see your color, see your brand, and, eh, but I don't really know what they do. They, mm. People have that mistrust there as well. So I think this is a, a, a good channel um, that, you know, um, people will pay more attention to you. Uh, and that's where also you can really, you know, deliver your message, you know, uh, more openly than, you know, maybe a, a magazine, you just see a picture with a couple of words because there are limitations, right? Uh, and like I said, you know, people would just, okay, great. And then look for the next page. <laughs> Right, right. No, that's perfect. That's that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so I have I have one final question. And kind of looking back at you know your your upbringing, you were raised in an entrepreneurial household, and then eventually you started your own um, you know business. And just kind of thinking back through the lessons and those experiences, what do you think is more important in entrepreneurship? Is it more important for an entrepreneur to be courageous or intelligent? Me personally, I believe you need both. Uh, there's never one better than the other. Uh, the reason why is uh, being an entrepreneur is not easy, right? Uh, if, especially if you're coming from a corporate world, you're going to start feeling, you know, unstableness because you won't have that paycheck coming in every month, right? Uh, it has to be very hands-on, right? And you had to really start thinking critically and try to hopefully foresee and avoid, uh, issues or mistakes. So, and that required courage, right? If you just work for a, 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 a company as an employee, yeah. you probably, you're, that, that's very limited that you have to do or think, right? Um, intelligence, you know, um, it's, also important because you won't be able to navigate uh, all this different information and different resources without intelligence. And I think that pretty much given everybody has a sense of intelligence, no matter who you are, uh, it's matter of, that's why you need to, if you're intelligent, but you have no courage, then you probably won't take that step. You're like, man, why would I want to bother? I want to enjoy my life, which perfectly fine. Some people feel that, you know, that's, you know, the best way for them, you know, but, you know, I think is, uh, also I would like to ask challenges. If you're enjoying taking challenges, you know, that's what entrepreneur is all about, you know, taking new challenges and, and not be afraid of failure because every time you fail, you learn something. And like I said earlier, Whatever you learn, it go with you for the rest of your life. This has been an episode of Seeking Startups. 
I'm your host, Maxim Davis, and thank you for listening to the whole show. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review, and share this episode. Once again, if you're interested in investing in this company, you can find a link to their fundraising page in the description below. Before I let you go, if you're a founder who's interested in getting highlighted on the show, email me at maxim at seekingstartups.com. Thank you. And until next time, keep investing in the future.